and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. Robert Wall stopped by my office to discuss a ton of different topics. The 30th anniversary of Tim Burton's Batman, the 25th anniversary of a very underrated baseball movie, Cobb, starring Tommy Lee Jones. We touch upon Bull Durham and some of Robert's favorite baseball movies. We talk Arla's, his cameo in Blue Chips, and he tells a great Bobby Knight story. He tells a great Jack Nicholson story. He also talks about the Oscars and writing for the Oscars. Also writing for Police Squad, which inspired The Naked Gun. And Robert, very funny guy, very nice guy. I had a nice conversation with him, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Robert, thanks for uh, stopping by today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. So, you a lot of anniversaries for your career this year. We'll talk about 30th anniversary of Batman in a little bit. But one of my favorite movies of yours is celebrating its 25th anniversary, and that's Cobb. Oh, thank you. Yeah, very uh, unappreciated, underrated movie. I uh, don't make you feel old or anything like that. No, but no. Um, I thought both you and Tom Lee Jones should have got at least some consideration for the Oscar because both your performances were really p- powerful. Um, how much? I know you're a big baseball fan, but how much did you know about like Cobb's backstory before actually? A lot. Uh, Ron and I, when we did Bull Durham. When I was doing it with Ron, that was one of them. We were both big fans of the Al Stump story that he had published in right. the early '60s, and we talked about what a great movie it would make. And I mean, and Ron Shelton is one of those guys good to his word. Right. When he got the opportunity to tell that story, he told it, and he cast me, and he held held out for me. The uh, so I knew. That story. I also knew all the history of everybody else talking about the guy. Right. Yeah, and uh, so, and I also knew how smart he was, and how forward-thinking he yeah. was. You know, he was a brilliant man. I mean, he was way ahead right. of the curve. I mean, by, he had ground-floored stock because he played in Detroit. Fisher Body, General right. Motors. He was from a go- he was from Georgia. Coca-Cola. Coke in a can. Coke in a can. We're coming out in cans. <laughs> buy yeah. Coke. Um, so he and he was a guy who dined with presidents. Right. You know, it was like being the heavyweight champion of the world back then. And uh, so I knew, and I knew the story about the mother. I knew the story about the father yeah. being shot, you know, by his mother. Right. I knew that story. So and you got to remember also the time he lived in. You know, you're talking about late, you know, 18, 19th century. Coming from Georgia, the backwoods, and you know, these are tough guys who played sports right. baseball back then. These are hard guys, as George Will said. So, and he was the toughest of all, and he had demons, and he was, and he was a very, you know, he played dangerously. Right. How, I mean, how much of like, Al's story did you know as well? Like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know because I got to meet Al. I got to hang out with Al much. Right. Uh, Al was a bit of a dandy. Right. He, um, I mean, he would he he could drink. <laughs> Al could drink. I should have done more of that in the movie. Right. The uh, he uh, didn't like him. Okay. Didn't like him at all. He thought, but he told you know he, but he said you know you, this. But that's what the whole thing was about. Is about a guy who when I always tell like I tell you don't the per, you got to separate the personal from the professional. You know, because right. somebody, you know, is the greatest you've ever seen in an artist. That does not mean that they're a good guy. That does not mean, but you have to separate them. And just because a guy's a total asshole doesn't mean he's still not great. Right. The uh, the movie did not do well financially. No. It was big, you know, it did yeah. not do well. But I was playing golf one day at the, many years ago, at the Ray Floyd Lexus Challenge, okay. which was great. You know, made for TV right. event, but it was Nicholas Palmer, player, yeah. Ray Floyd, Trevino. I played with Chi Chi Rodriguez, and it was celebrity. And Eastwood's playing. I'm dropping names here, but Eastwood. Right. <laughs> but I'm playing in the foursome with Sean Connery. Okay. And he, and I was doing the HBO series at the time, the, the sports agent. And so he looked at me and he said, You did that movie, Cobb. And I said, Yeah. He goes, I like that movie. He says, but I'll tell you why it didn't do good in America. And I said, how come? He goes, because, because it's about greatness. 
you know, it's about greatness. And Americans don't want to see what it takes to be great. And I said, oh, that's interesting. You know, we bombed in the UK too. <laughs> you, know, it's like, right. you know, so I think that transcended. Yeah. But, but it, there's a lot of stuff in it that uh, I, I'm very fond of the movie. I mean, I, I love the experience. I loved everything about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a fascinating. Well, well, but why do you think it didn't do well? It's very dark. Right. It's very dark. I, you know, it hit me when I. Because people go to the movies to be, you know, for different reasons. Right. You know, they don't go to. Some, my dad would say, I don't, I don't want to see somebody else's problems. I got right. enough problems of my own. That was my dad's point yeah. of view. But other people go to, they want to be taken to a place, they want to hear a story, they want to be entertained, they want a happy ending, they want to feel good about themselves. I mean, that's a, other yeah. people go to, you know, to take off frustration. It depends on the story you're going to tell. Yeah. And it's a very dark story. It's a dark story, and you're dealing with baseball to begin with. Right. I mean, it had a lot of things going against it. Right. It's baseball, which doesn't generally do well. It's period, yeah. which generally doesn't do well. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I mean, you're pretty much eliminating a female audience from the get-go. Sure. Um you know, it's, and and it got not good enough reviews. Do you know what I'm saying? It got right. good reviews, but they weren't good enough to put us to the next echelon. You were in that dangerous area there. But because of the MLB network, mostly, it's getting a whole different life. Yeah, I mean, the off-season, they play movies all the time. Yeah. That's, that's been in the rotation a lot, even when I was there. Um, what was Tommy Lee Jones like? He was the right guy to play Ty Cobb. Yeah. He was a terrific actor and the yeah. right guy to play Ty Cobb. Is he a baseball guy? He's more of a football guy. Remember, okay. he played football. Tommy Lee Jones grew up at, I forgot what prep school he went to in Dallas. And his goal, he wanted right. to play for Bear Bryant. Right. And they didn't give him a scholarship. So he went to Harvard instead. Right. And his, his college roommate was Al Gore. And Tipper was, I guess, at the next school. But Tommy played football for right. Harvard. He was a, a guard, hundred back then, a hundred and eighty pound guard, and he was unanimous Ivy League. And he, in fact, he played guard. And he, so one day he made me, he sat me down, and he carries with him the VHS, well, it was VHS back then, right. tape of the famous Harvard Yale game, where uh, I forgot the year. What year was that? Maybe 65, 66, and the famous thing where Harvard scored 16 points in the last like 52 seconds. To, they were right. both under. He was. They were undefeated. Okay. The Harvard was undefeated going into the game, and they scored 16 points in the last 52 seconds, and uh, to, to, to get a tie. Yeah. And the next day, um, the headline I think of the Crimson read, "Harvard wins 21-21" or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> so it's very famous. On the, on, by the way, on the. Um, Yale side had some great players. They had uh, uh, Calvin Hill, okay. the great running back. All right. He was a running back who then went to the Dallas Cowboys, yep. became an all-star running back, and of course is the father of Grant Hill. Mm -hmm. And then the quarterback was Brian Dowling, who later became a really good, pretty good quarterback for the New England Patriots, and who is the inspiration of what's the character in Doonesbury. Oh, the, you know the quarter, good-looking quarterback. But he was a, he was the inspiration for that. I don't remember the character's name, but the, he made me sit and watch that okay. game for three hours. Right. Yeah. And he just came off the Oscar for The Fugitive. From it that was movie. during this. During it. Okay. It was during this. Right. And, the, and the Tommy had lost the year before. Okay. Tommy's a pretty competitive guy. I, I can imagine. Yeah. And he had lost the year before for JFK, and he was sort of the favorite now. Right. And the pressure building up to it. You can feel pressure moving up right. to it. And somebody said, uh, boy, if Tommy yeah. doesn't win, I'll tell you, he's going to be suicidal. I said, if Tommy doesn't win, he's going to be homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so, but he did win, yeah. and it was great. And it was great. Yeah, The Fugitive is a great movie. Yes, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Now, Cobb's probably one of the best baseball players ever. Who's like one of the best baseball players that you've seen play in your career or in your lifetime, really? So a lot of great baseball right. players. Uh, can I narrow it? I'll narrow it down to what, the 200? Sure. sure. I mean, <laughs> um, 200. Go. Position by position during my lifetime. Well, it's not going to be one, okay? Uh, I was very young, but you have to appreciate what Yogi Berra accomplished more and more. I got to see the tail end of his career. But he's got 10 rings. Yeah. Do you know? He's got 10 rings. He was a three-time MVP. We, take, we, we just say Johnny Bench. It's like, wait a minute, let's back up a second. We've got ten rings here. 
We got three MVPs, which is right. more than bench. Yeah. You know, so now he played different positions too, but you know, so I mean, I saw Barra, I saw Bench. The one I did not see because he was career was over when I was like three, which I would have liked to have seen how good he was was Roy Campanella. No. Yeah, Campanella was the one. To, you know, I th he may right. have been better than anybody. Right. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, and then later on, great catchers. I saw Fisk, Munson, uh, Pudge. Well, Piazza is strictly for offensive right. power, and I think the other one would be, because in today's game, Molina. Molina. Yeah. Because first base, Albert. Albert. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cabrera is pretty great. Keith uh, Hernandez defensively. Herna Hernandez yeah. was a good, but he's not. He's no. You know, defensively, yes. Right. I mean, Mattingly for a few years. Yeah, it's a shame. as good as anybody. It's a shame. Uh, then you got to put George Brett somewhere also right. on this team. George Brett would have been probably at the head of it. Second base, Alamore, Morgan. And that's yeah. pretty much it. And the other guy who should be more considered is Jeff Kent. But that's a Hall of Fame argument. Um, yeah, well, what do you, why do you think? It's just because... I think he didn't play most of his career on the East Coast. Coast. I mean, I live on the West Coast most of the year, and I can see it. Uh, he's in the shadow of Bonds. People didn't like him. Um, but uh, good, for, good for Chris Mad Dog Russo for keeping uh, that alive. He's 100% cor correct yeah. about that. Um, Do you think like like Jim Rice who eventually got it? You know, it is also no, it's also that people have this image that a second baseman should be short and fast. And right. So you know, yeah. it's like well, if that's the case, what's Rich doing? To what is uh, Ripken doing at shortstop? Right. Because though no, he was the first of the big one, I go well, you know, Jeff Kent was the first guy to hit twenty home runs yeah. you know, every year, hit thirty home runs, and his swing, the guy who got that short swing, Trout swing reminds me of Kent's yeah. swing. Um, shortstop. Jeez, it's a lot of them. First one that jumps out, well, I just mentioned yeah. one, Ripken, obviously. Right. The other guy, Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin's a great shortstop, just great. Jeter, got to put Jeter in the mix. I mean, Omar Vizquel. I am the biggest Omar uh, fan yeah. in the world, so yeah. you're preaching to the choir with Omar Vizquel. Absolutely. Um, you're totally preaching to the yeah. choir with me with Omar. I saw Trammell, with Trammell, yeah. yeah. Uh, Third base, so I had to have George Breton there. I saw Brooks Robinson play. Different game. Right. He was. I have to judge people in their own era. Yeah. You can't mix it. No, you cannot can't. do that. No. Where, where's the Where's the stat for modern medicine? Yeah. Do you know the, where does that come? Right. Kofax had what four great years, and I asked him at a golf yeah. tournament with today's modern medicine, how long would you have been out? He said I would have missed six months. So that changes everything. Uh, you know. So, so you have to judge people yeah. in their own era against their competition. You right. can't do it any yeah. other way. When I hear we adjust for this and park here, that is such yeah. horseshit. Right. Give me a break. Yeah, how would you know? Give me a break. Right. And what about the thought process? Did you, did you put in the stat for there? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. let me see. So, third base, who did I like? I'm sure missing people. Chipper was great. Uh, Schmidt. Schmidt was great. Who did I mention? I mentioned Brooks. I mentioned, uh, who was the other third baseman I mentioned? I'm sure I missed somebody here. The outfielders, I mean, I saw Mandel and Mays. Yeah. Although I didn't see Mays as much because he was on the West Coast, but you'd right. see him in Game of the Week and you'd see him at All-Star yeah. Games, and you'd just see it. Yeah. I mean, it already came to New York. It was just phenomenal. Um, I saw Frank Robinson. He was great. Just great. Uh, Killebrew was fun at first base. This is the early days. Then, um, boy, we got to see Albert, and we got to see – and then the outfielders, you know, it's like uh, – talk about Albert. Roger Clemens, who uh, is a longtime friend of mine. Yeah. And uh, I asked him the best right-hand hitter he ever faced, and he said, Albert. He said, probably Albert. And I said, best left-hander, and he just looked at me. He goes, come on. <laughs> come on. Meaning Barry Bonds. Yeah. Barry Bonds, people have no idea how good Barry Bonds was. Well, how was. dominant how yeah. dominant this thing was, you know, guy was. And it's like when you keep putting people in the Hall of Fame who were, who were already on, you know, who were taking something illegally, and they've done mm -hmm. it a bunch of times now, to single out, Clemens and Bonds, because they were better right. than everybody else, yeah. is absurd. And my problem with all of that is a lot of the stuff, memorabilia, is in the Hall of Fame already. Yeah. So why can't the player be in the Hall of Fame? Listen, yeah. this is, um, got to remember what the Hall of Fame is. And my buddy Tim Mead is now the new president, so right. I better watch what I say. <laughs> it's a museum.
Now, and also to be fair to the Hall of Fame, let's be fair. They don't vote on the who's in and who's out. Right. They're a museum. Right. They're a museum. The writers vote who's in and out. That's their club. That's their power. That's Do you think that their, should change that? Do you think the Hall of Fame should vote? I think the Hall of Fame is a great building that's a museum that is a tourist attraction. Right. So why should it change? I mean, why should it change? I mean, but don't you think it would attract more visitors if they had Bonds, Clemens, all these guys in the Hall of Fame? Baseball is very, it represents a very conservative game. Right. Now, they can, by the way, that town can only hold so many people. <laughs> you know, it's like that, so they don't, they don't want. Right. That's a very exclusive little area right. club and everything. And this summer, next summer, they're going to test that with uh, Rivera and Jeter. Yeah, Rivera's going to go in. Jeter go in. And um, but it, it's you know the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is incredibly cool. I love it. I can't. I'm so very happy. But you have to separate the Hall of Fame from the Hall of Fame voters. Right. The Hall of Fame. I mean, the fact that somebody who's got a blog might be able to vote for a Hall of Fame, but Vin Scully couldn't. Is a little absurd. Yeah, we did. And why? And also to d diminish. You see, here's the other thing: to diminish the players to me. And I'll Costas and I are going to go toe to toe. My friend, we go toe to toe on this one. Again, talking about the people you judge in your year. Right. If the people, let's face it, it's a fraternity, right? right. It's a fraternity. Right. So if the if the older fraternity members, right? If the fraternity members who are yeah. what the club is, not older, but everybody. Yeah says, we want this guy we play with in our club. Oh, he doesn't have the numbers. It's not the Hall of Numbers. Okay? It's not the... So if they want to come... I don't see where this is, you know, uh, ruining baseball, that their, yeah. their precious little Hall of Fame right. had somebody who doesn't measure up to what they think is a sabermetric number. Right. You know, I mean, I was Big Jack Morris for many, many years. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I said, I'm friendly with Roger, and I would, he would talk about Morris, and the way, the way he would talk about him right. was reverence. And he, and he, and he had, Roger had great respect for, you know, know the, right. but reverence, you yeah. know, so. So I'm sorry, but the voting, but the voting's voting. I mean, that's yeah. what they, but I don't like the, 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 cause I mean, now Harold Baines has got this stigma that he's gonna be in, yeah. or we really shouldn't be there. What? What? Right. They put him in. The people in the club. It's their fraternity. Right. You know what they're saying basically is he wouldn't be in our fraternity. It would not yeah. them, not him, Howard Baines. <laughs> you know, and there's all the guys in the club. The best ones saying, yeah, yeah, he would. He's the guy we want in. We respect him. Yeah, I mean, it's with with him getting you know inducted. It's going to open up. A can, I'm going to say a can of worms. That's not probably the right word, but other players who me measure up to Harold Baines getting in. In what way do they measure up to him? Better numbers, perhaps? It's not the Hall of Numbers. <laughs> if it is, Colfax shouldn't be there. True. Four yeah. years. Four years. Four years. That's two more than Gidry, two more than four Dwight Gooden. But those four years were like... Uh, uh, two more yeah. and two more. That's it. Right. It's four years. So but it's not the Hall of numbers. numbers. So then Don Manley should get in? They weren't historic numbers. He had good years. Right. Great player. I have no problem putting Mattingly in. I think he should be in too. Well, I don't. No, no, I don't think he think he should be. in. I have have no problem. I, you know, it's like I have no problem with all this stuff. To me, this is like. I mean, but to have the, the arguably the best player of your of your generation and arguably the best pitcher of the generation not be in it, pretty silly. Pretty silly. I, I, I totally pretty silly. Because they were great players before they allegedly did what they. Did. I don't buy that theory. No, no. You don't, you don't to me, that's like saying, "Yeah, Bernie Madoff was a millionaire before he started ripping everybody off." So he sh we shouldn't have to get let. We just, he didn't have to go to jail. No, no, I don't buy that theory. But My theory is okay. he was the best from here to here. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, that's that's totally fine. We did the um, Hall of Fame inductions. So one year we went, we were able to go into the hall when it was closed. So it was like ten of us. Just and it was like yeah. I've been there a year, you know, so many years. But yeah, going there by yourself and. Enjoying everything. Oh, I can imagine. Unbelievable. It, it Believe me, we can imagine. We went to the, uh, yeah. uh, when they had a baseball card exhibit at the Met, we went right. in after hours because I yeah. met the guy who was doing right. So we went through the Met. Okay. It was like an evening at the, right. uh, an evening at the yeah. museum, right? right? And we went through the Met by ourselves, through yeah. the Monets and everything, the ghosts. It's great. And it was, it was yeah. eerie and it was right. great. So I could totally imagine oh, yeah. going to the Baseball Hall of Fame right. right there. And the year, I think it was Winfield and Puckett. Okay. 2001, we did it when I was at ESPN. They do it at that big field house. And they have like that little like sports like area where they're bowling, tennis, and stuff like that. So 
after our show, we were just scooting around. This is when they also did the um, Hall of Fame game, which they don't do anymore, Double Day Field. Right. Uh, it was the Marlins. I forgot who they were playing, but we were there, and Brad Penny and A.J. Burnett came out uh -huh. in their full uniforms because we were bowling, just shooting, you know, killing some time. They came out and just bowled with us. And two of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet, A.J. Burnett in his spikes bowling, just wiped out right on the alley. And I think he was pitching that day, too. So luckily he didn't get hurt because we would have been in a lot of uh, a lot of problems there. <laughs> but it was. A good Wonder time. if the owner of the bowling alley thought him bowling with his spikes was such a fun idea. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Luckily he didn't uh, scrape off the. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah. Of course he did. He wiped out. <laughs> and he didn't cut up with his spikes. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, another uh, sports movie, of course, Bull Durham. We got to. We had a nice part in Blue Chips, which I, also yeah. a Ron Shelton movie. Ron Shelton wrote it. Yeah. I, I only have the one scene of right. Blue Chips. I, 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 to be perfectly honest, I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. I remember being there with uh, right. Rick Nicolte having a great time. Yeah. I, mean, I had like four lines. You right. know, it was like fun. Yeah, I, it was good. I had been at the reading okay. that, because uh, I was off doing something else, and I was at the reading for the director, Bill Freakin, with Ron, right. and I read that part. I read a couple of parts, I think, yeah. just because it was a reading. Right. And Freakin and I hit it off, and we had yeah. met earlier on a Larry King show right. way back when. And when they offered me the part, I said, yeah, sure, it's yeah. one day. But I, right. I, I think I've seen Blue Chips once, right. and I don't remember much about it. Right. Um, and Nick Nolte. Way I like Nolte. Yeah, it was great. I love Nolte. I'll tell you the best role. thing about it. Yeah. I'll tell you the best yeah. thing about Blue Chips for me. It's not about the movie. Right. When we were re rehearsing, I mean, I got to hang out with Nolte a little bit. Yeah. And he gave me a videotape that I have somewhere and yeah. I can't find it and i got to find this tape. And what happened was before they started shooting Blue Chips, Friedkin, Bill Friedkin, who was a director, was friendly, is friendly with Bobby Knight okay. back in Indiana days. Right. And Knight let him say, come to the locker room afterwards. And they videoed, held a videotape, just on night, yeah. discussing the state of the world about right. being a basketball coach for an hour. And it is off the cuff, right. off the record, the most f fascinating thing you've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, when he, and because, in fact, I show it to people when I had it, and I can find it. Um, I once showed it to, because he's all over the map. 90% of the time you go, right. he is so on the nose. Right. He is exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly what we should be doing. That's so and so. You know, and this, and you go, okay, you're, you know, and even though he's compared, the other 10% right. though <laughs> is really out there. Right. Really out there. So, but it's fascinating. I mean, you have to just separate. But we talk about basketball and the game. Uh, I showed it when we were doing the Arliss show. I showed it to Cheryl Miller, who was guesting on the show that week, the great basketball player. And she was coaching at the time, and she said, "I would, I'd love to show this to my team to watch this." And and you know, when it came to his thoughts on women, they would they would go crazy. But right. everything else, right. he was on the nose about. So that was what I remember most. You know, about, I, I love that. I wish I could find that tape. I think it's right. in a box that I have. Right. And you mentioned Arliss, which one of my favorite HBO, show, HBO shows of all time. Uh, started rewatching it. It's they have a couple episodes on HBO Go now. Um, what was like the inspiration for that? Because it seemed like Donald Trump could have been a little bit. Well, what's funny is this is 1996, 95 actually when right. I started writing it. What I used, it wasn't, a, the only thing it was about Trump, I knew it was going to be about a full of shit sports agent who was going to justify, and it was also about, okay, and yes, because the, the idea came to, they came, they approached me, Mike Tolan approached me with the late, great David Picker, who just died, with an idea about a spinal tap of sports. Go from, like, right. the spinal tap of Wimbledon, the spinal tap of, you know, Wembley, the spinal tap of the World Cup. So I said, you know, I've kind of seen this on the Muppets. <laughs> I said, you know what I'd like to do, though? I'd like to write a satire on the world of sports as told through a very self-serving sports agent. And very little been talked about that. You knew about yeah. Bri uh, Mike my trope. You had heard about Norby Walters, who I became a very, who I'm now a very good friend yeah. with. You heard about uh, Lee Steinberg, right. but there wasn't much out there about yeah. it. And uh, however, Mike knew, was was connected with it. But I, and what I, I just read the art of the deal. Okay. And as I'm reading this book, I said, I don't believe a word of this book. Yeah. I think he's <laughs> totally full of shit. 
and I'm sure I would like to know what the other person thought about this right. deal and his point of view. So I said, that's how I'm going to do Arliss. I am going to show, tell you this narrative as I want to tell you, but then I'm going to show you what really happened. So that's that. So even when Arliss comes out of the book, it says Arliss, the art of the scoopers made. Yeah. So that part of it, that, that's the only part. Nothing else. Um, and then the other part was uh, uh, just human behavior. A guy running a business. Um, you're dealing with a very specialized clientele, who, and you're dealing with entertainers. I mean, you're dealing with showbiz guys, and you're dealing with. And you're dealing with a business, a guy running a business. Yeah. It's like the sports, I mean, is pretty much secondary. On the always. Yeah. Always. I always try to explain that, but I, I, you never got through. Uh, Fran Leibowitz, the great Fran right. Leibowitz, the writer, once stopped me at the party for the Tribeca Film Festival. I think it was the first Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah, we were on. That was when we were on. And she stopped me, and she's cigarette smoking, <laughs> chain smoking. She came and goes, I hate sports, but I love your show. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I said, it's not a, that's because, well, thank you, but it's, right. that's because it's not about sports. It's about characters in the world of sports, right. and that's something entirely different. These are people who happen to work in the sports industry. It's because most sports movies are about the big game or something. Right. Oh, that's not what we were about at all, yeah. 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 You had like so many athletes. Uh, were there any that you tried to get and you couldn't? The only ones we couldn't get were well, Ali was... Right. Muhammad Ali for certain reasons. Um, the one I wanted to get the most that we never had on mm -hmm. was um, Martina Navratilova. Okay. And that's because she lived in Switzerland. Oh. I mean, this was all about schedules. Who right. was on the West Coast yeah. at the, what time? And, you know, right. they were really, most of the, everything else, because you just write a generic character. Right. And you'd say, the, 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 the staff would go, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? Yeah. So I go, fine, fine. Um, I mean, most of, they were there for texture. They were never there, with rare exception, Clemens being one. Right. Lincoln Kennedy being another, because we found out he was a drama minor right. in college. The linebacker. Right? Um, I mean, the uh, offensive lineman from uh, yeah, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not there to carry plot. No. You know, they're not there. Clemens could a little bit. He got right. it. You know, he was like, he, Clemens yeah. is like Peyton Manning. You could do that right. with him, you know. Uh, and there's a few. Uh, Barry Lark was very smart. Roy Jones is as smart as anybody ever met. Um, the broadcasters you would expect more right, out of, obviously. Yeah. But the athletes, and they were all pretty, pretty good. Yeah, because every time you're on the show, you basically how to introduce them. Hey, it's you know Shaquille O'Neal. Obviously, we would call that. Yeah. What <laughs> we would call that was we would say in the old days. I want to go back some in the old when you watch the old like Jack Betty programs or. What, even if it's I Love Lucy, whatever. Right. Whenever a star would go, look, everybody, yeah. you know, it's Bobby Darren. Yeah. You know, we'd, so we'd call him a Jack Benny that way. Right. And then we would say, uh, it would always refer, we had a rhyme, some stupid line, yeah. which would refer to what sport they did because yeah. we didn't figure anybody knew anybody. Right. I figured nobody knew. What's one quarterback look like from the next quarterback, right. you know? So... Uh, I mean, there's Jim Harbaugh. How's the cube? How's the Michigan QB going? You know, yeah. it's like, or you know, it, it, it was like stuff like that. You know, even if it wasn't, you know, it was John McEnroe. You know, it's like whoever it was. You still had, I, and especially when it came to basketball players. Right. Of course. Basketball players and football players, linemen. I mean, not too many people would knew right. one from another. Less than wearing a helmet, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were there any of like the athletes who were, I want to say, difficult, but like no kind of disappointing? No. 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 Because we're there for okay. Two didn't show up. That's the only okay. thing. Two of them didn't show up. Uh, that was uh, Pedro. Gar was it Pedro? Gar Ra Raul Mondesi. Okay. Forgive me, Pedro. Right. Raul Mondesi and Aikman. Troy Aikman. Okay. Uh, they didn't show up, uh, which kept the crew of 150 people waiting. Uh, but no, nobody was very difficult. Here's why: yeah. if you're an athlete and you're and if you're a good athlete, more than likely you're coachable. Right. True. And coaching means you take direction. Yeah. And like anything else, the more takes you can do, it's like doing more reps, and you're going to get better at it. So that's the, yeah. 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 yeah I was very excited. Cause and they were on our court. That's true. You know, it was like, we're not on your field, you're on <laughs> yeah. ours. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my favorite players of all time, Jay Buhner, was in it, uh, an episode with uh, Sandro. Okay. She was in it, so I was very excited to see him in it. Uh, any plans of a reboot or anything like that? HBO owns it. We're okay. we're, now that they're bought by AT&T. You have to wait Walrus gets off the air, right? No, no, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, it has to do with intellectual property, right. and HBO was always very much hands-on, wouldn't do anything. Now, however, the mm -hmm. regime has changed, and AT&T, which 
now you know owns it right. wants more, and so there's more of an opportunity that could happen. It's still got to go through you know, you right. know a bunch of hoops, yeah. and have to do it a little bit differently. Okay, well, hopefully that show was very underrated. I don't think it was as appreciated as it should have oh, been. Oh, thanks. Uh, another show you worked on but wrote, which I wasn't. I was too young when it came on, but watched it as a result of the movie was Police Squad, yeah. which you wrote a few, a few yeah. episodes. It's all really lasted was a few episodes. That's it, but yeah. How how much fun was writing? Great. For that? I was very young. Uh, I had did, I was doing stand up comedy at the Improv, and the Zucker brothers came in before right. they shot Airplane, and they watched me and they had me come in and read an audition for Airplane, which I didn't get. But when Airplane became such a super hit and they had the idea to do the TV show, they brought me in as a writer. You know, and right. that was a great opportunity. I learned a lot. Yeah. It was fun. It was frustrating. I mean, it was just frustrating because it changed. It actually changed me in the sense that we knew we were doing. You, you knew you were doing good work. Right. Really special work. Really good, smart work. And you weren't fitting the mold that was out there then, and the public wasn't ready for it. I hate shows that say you're ahead of your time. I hate yeah. that stuff. But the the head of ABC TV at the time made a comment saying, the problem with police squads, you have to watch it. Do you know? And I thought, Geez, that's, it sounds really stupid. You're but he's right. A lot of because visual gags. We're doing visual gags. Yeah. We're doing psychics. Most people watch TV and they hear the laugh track. Ah, ha, 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 yeah. They can go do 10 other things. Right. Police squad, you got to put, you yeah. know. So, so, and the week that we were number... 53 in the ratings. Joni Loves Chachi was number two. And we were on ABC at a time when ABC meant Happy Days, Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, Joni Loves Chachi. And then there comes us. We're not that audience. And, yeah, the fact they took it off so soon, so soon. We were off after four episodes. Were those the only four you shot? No, we shot six. Oh, that's right, six, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff they brought back into the Naked Gun movies. Some of the yeah, well, some of the stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, which was really the last cool. thing, we'd always kill off the guest star in the, uh, right. Right, yeah. the last one we, The last one we did it with was John Belushi, but then he dies right. about a week later. And uh, somebody's got the tape of it, I've never seen it. Right. Oh, yeah, that they shot it, though. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that show was uh, really good. Uh, now, 30th anniversary of Batman. Um, have you seen the movie since? Uh, well, I've seen it since then. Okay. I have not watched it in a while. Right. You're going to have to watch it. I'm sure you're going to do some conventions and stuff like this. I year, am right? going to a conventions. I don't know if I'll watch it or not. Right. Um, I just enjoyed the experience. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a good movie. Yeah. So I remember. It's I was, a very good movie. I was 14 when it came right. out, and it was like the first event movie yeah. that I yeah. remember. Uh, yeah, this was before the internet and obviously social media, where right. you know people lined up to not even get tickets. You couldn't buy them in advance. You just had to wait online. Yeah. Uh, all the merchandise came out before. It was just a real event movie. And it's fabulous. It still holds up to, to this day. That's Tim Burton. That's yeah. all Tim Burton. I mean, the people are great in it, but it's Tim Burton. Right. The, re the success is Tim Burton in that movie. I mean, what's made it art is Tim Burton. Uh, the uh, I mean, not that it's not cast pretty perfectly, yeah. notwithstanding Alexander Knox, <laughs> but uh, that's Tim Burton. I mean, I was very lucky. And had there been social media yeah. back then, I don't think Michael Keaton had a chance. No, probably I mean, not. Michael Keaton, I remember the backlash then. Right. Because Michael Keaton at that point had done Mr. Mom. Yeah. And when they heard, the right. you know, they had the geeks around then. Beetlejuice. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they had done Beetlejuice. Right. And, but he was Mr. Mom yeah. for most people. And in, even in England, he's Mr. Mum. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. this is Batman, the dark Batman. Right. And... Also remember, you know, I was not a fan of the TV series. Okay. I didn't like the campy right. stuff. So I so the fact that Tim was going in the direction, and then Jack. Yeah. You know, you had Jack. Right. Jack and Michael, and uh, and it was great fun. You know, being in London, we shot it in London. It was great. And to go to Gotham City when you came at the still saw the set for the first yeah. time, and you go there, it was very cool. Right. And it, it was huge. It was James Bond Studios, right. so it was huge. Okay. And you couldn't really pinpoint the like time period that it was set, you know. Yeah, I mean, which it's was really good. I mean, that was 
what's interesting is when you when you for when I see a movie, then I, if I'm in it, you know, I try because then I try not to remember what was I doing then. You right. know, it's like because you, you're seeing it from a different point of view. Yeah. I remember we shot this scene; it was freezing that night, right. like the scene on the mountain, Bull Durham. It was okay. cold, and. Um, you know, but uh, you know that's a very good. I have a theory, or it's my opinion, yeah. that if you take the first, the first Batman series, not the Dark Knight series, okay. the first right. four or five movies right yeah. there, every hour from the first hour, continuously gets right. progressively worse. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Because yeah. the, the first movie is great. First movie, the first hour is really great. Yeah, the and second hour is pretty great. Pretty good. The second, third second yeah, movie, yeah, okay. Yeah. It hasn't gone off the rails yet, right. but it's not great. Yeah. And then when Joel Schumacher, uh, yeah, and then I get, yeah, yeah. right. And then Clooney never had a chance, right? It's yeah. just, oh, oh, it's not just Clooney, just oh, yeah, he yeah. didn't have a chance. No, and they're going back in a stupid direction. Yeah, because colors and everything like that. Joel Schumacher, everything was happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he used to do uh, right. windows and. Um, <laughs> and then poor Barney, you know, Timely Jones, who was horribly cast in that role and never had a chance. Like I said, every hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, any good Jack stories? Greatest, greatest <laughs> guy I've ever, you know, very, just incredibly smart. Great raconteur. Funny, mm. funny, funny. You tell me, I mean, just great stories, you know, because right. he'd been a star for so long. Mm. And he's the smartest guy. And funny. Funny. I mean, he'd, he'd, um, He was at a party one time, and a girl came up to him with some music playing. She goes, "You want to mm -hmm. dance?" And he went, "Wrong verb." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like uh, he, he's and he's so smart. And right. I'm telling you war stories about him. Yeah. He did he just. I mean, I just. I very special guy. Yeah. Keep him, keep them to me. Right. I mean, not because like all like these comic movies, you have all these stars. You want to like Redford's been in them. Uh, Five Michael Douglas, they've all been in these comic movies where before it was like Jack Nicholson. You know, I know Marlon Brando was Superman, but it was like they were such a small part. Whereas, like, yeah. But Brando didn't make, didn't make I mean, a lot of money. He, he, I, was, I know he did, but like the amount of time he was in the movie, he was like very tiny, whereas Jack Nicholson pretty much carried that movie. Michael Keane was great too. Great. Michael Keane was great too. pretty great. And Tim, you're Tim Burton. It's all Tim Burton. Yeah. Now, um, I just found out, in fact. That my voice is sampled. I just found this out about a month ago. That my voice is sampled on you know Prince did these songs for Batman. Bat dance and all that. Yeah. yeah, on that Batman album in the right. Trust. My voice is sampled in this, and I just found that about this a couple of weeks ago. So I've got to yeah. find out. Right. Everybody's telling me you got to go to ASCAP. You got to go to yeah. BMI. You see, I, I I don't remember. You know, who knows if I yeah. signed away everything? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember doing it. Right. <laughs> Cause that album did really well. Oh yeah, it's that. Prince. Yeah. Prince, Prince. It's Prince. Yeah, was because your character was basically written solely for the movie. It wasn't like in you know Batman lore. Uh, no, it was a fictional character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a fictional character, okay, as, yeah. a, as opposed to everybody else. Right, in the exactly. Movie. Well, Batman's real, but <laughs> now um, was there any talk for you being in Batman uh, Returns? If there was, I never got. Right. I, I figured, but yeah. it never happened. Yeah, that was. I was making jokes. I always made jokes about Batman Two: The Annuity. Right. <laughs> no, don't count. Don't spend money before you have it. Right. Yeah. Now, have you like have you watched like Are you a comic book movie guy at all? Like, no. You watch him? No. Huh. No. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Right. What kind of movies do you actually like to watch? I like documentaries a lot. Right. I like you know. Uh, I love romantic comedies. I really yeah. do. I like a good romantic comedy. Right. It's hard to do. Very yeah. hard. I like um, good dramas. You know, I, I go comedies. I mean, but but I, I have a tougher time with uh, it, comedies. Very generational, I think. A lot of comedies generational. You know, um, uh, I like dramas. I like, you know, a good thriller. Right. I like, you know, I, I don't know what else I like. Westerns. Love westerns. Oh, do I love yeah. westerns? Yeah. Um, what else do I like? Sports movies. Yeah. Well, it's most you know sports movies. Yeah. yeah. So sports. besides obviously. Bull Durham, Cobb, what are your favorite baseball movies? Baseball. Yeah. Uh, Bang the Drum Slowly. Great movie. The original Bad News Bears. Right. Which I think is the most underappreciated yeah. movie of all of them. Um, baseball. Baseball. Sugar. Okay. This movie about the Caribbean kid, uh, the, the Dominican right. kid. That was a great movie. 
Um, I like that one. I like um, I like Field of Dream to a point. I love the father son dynamic. Right. I love the you know I love the hope and I love I like the whimsy and I like the right. fa- I don't. What bothers me is a James Earl Jones speech when he has this whole thing about and summing up the whole big theme because it's baseball, Ray. It reminds us of all that was once good. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, wait a minute, all that was once good. You notice every guy coming out from that field is white? Do you notice that you couldn't play until 1947? Baseball doesn't remind us of all that was once good. It's it's Baseball reminds us of America. It might be nostalgia, but, you know, no, no. So that that speech is like... It's a false. It piss, it takes me out of the movie. Yeah. That thing it puts you know, but it's a good movie. Um, what about baseball? I like the old ones. Like it happens every spring. The, fu- the funny ones. Um, what else? Major League's okay. Um, what else am I missing? I think that's about it. Isn't it? Yeah. What's it jump out at me? Really good baseball movies. Oh, The Pride of the Yankees is a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. You know, it's a good Hollywood movie. Right. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's not. You just got to take it for that. You know, right. it's like it's not. I mean, he goes to the doctor, and the doctor the guy comes back and goes, "You've got disease." The doc, doc can't even pronounce it. I go, "Geez, that's a that's a good uh, you just you know come out with that's my you can't pronounce yeah. the disease I got." Yeah. I mean, let's find another doctor. You know, it's <laughs> like, um, is it three strikes, doc? It's three strikes. You know, come yeah. on. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's the 40s. Yeah, okay, I'll go with it. It's a good right. movie. It's baseball yeah. stuff. Um, I think, I, am I leaading a great baseball movie now? League of Their Own. League of Their Own's a good yeah. movie. League of Their Own is a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, really a good, good. that's a good film. Yeah, I mean, Moneyball is not a good baseball movie. But it's, I think it's a good movie. It's, it's too long. It's too long. It would. Ma- I, I got the whole, okay, Moneyball. We probably have the same problem with it. Michael Lewis is a great writer. Yes. A very entertaining writer. And putting the emphasis a little bit more on on base percentage, okay, that's a good thing. But if you're going to sell me that the reason that the Oakland A's won the division was because of Ricardo Rincon and Scott Hatterberg and never mentioned Cito, Mulder yeah Hudson, Hudson winning yeah. 60 games right yeah and and Chahada winning the MVP yeah. Uh, yeah you know you're losing an army you're, 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 you're yeah. changing the narrative here right. you're not giving a true narrative so right. I like it's a well written book uh, you know it, it's it's a it's a it, it works as a movie Brad Pitt's terrific it's long <laughs> it's long yeah uh what was the other one you mentioned, though? League of Their Own. That's a yeah. very good movie. You see, now, League of Their Own did the same thing. Okay, here's what a League of Their Own did do. They had the one scene when all the women were trying out for the ball club, right? And one of the girls overthrows the first baseman, yeah. and a black woman catches the ball. Remember that moment? Yeah. And she looks up, and she's surrounded by other, and she throws it back, and they exchange a glance. Yeah. And they know. That is the antithesis of right. what they didn't do in, in Field of Dreams. That's all you had to do, but that gave you a moment. Yeah. You know. Uh, absolutely. I, I just like the scene in Cobb, when the, you're in the car with, with Tommy Lee Jones, and I forgot his name. You're all talking about great uh, baseball players you've seen. And, yeah, what and about all, that? Yeah. It's all, you know, Kupak Bell and yeah. uh, Roy Campanella. That's my favorite. Yeah. What? And it's just, it was cold. You know, that was, we, we couldn't get it to snow. <laughs> we couldn't get it. To, we couldn't <laughs> snow. It didn't snow the whole time we were up there. We had one day of snow. Where did you shoot that? In Reno, Nevada, okay. Lake, uh, Lake Tahoe. Actually, okay. mostly Lake Tahoe, right. North Lake Tahoe. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, you know, Bull Durham, obviously a great movie. Um, yeah, your iconic scene. I heard that was improvised, right? Your line? No, no, no. It's the scene is not improvised. Right, but your line. Just the yeah. one line is is it, it, we had shot the scene as okay. written about right. four. It, it was very cold that night because okay. we shot it. You could see the right. breath in our. You could see the breath coming out. And it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock. We were losing the night. And we had shot the scene. Now, I have to go back because the scene is, uh, you know, they say, what's going on out there at the mound? Get out. Go yeah. on there. You know, I said some a call in the roll. That was right. that was an ad lib line. <laughs> and then so I run out there. Now, 
And the scene is set up, you know, what's going on here? And it's like, you know, Nuke's father is in the stands. Uh, The first baseman's girlfriend has put a curse on his glove. They don't know what to get Millie and Jimmy for a wedding present. We're dealing with a lot of shit here. Right. Now, the line was, oh, I thought there was a problem. Okay, that was it. That's it. Oh, I thought there was a problem. And then get out. But then Ron Shelton says, Robert, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Because we were the last shot. Okay. Because remember, everything out is out on the field. So the last shot, I'm coming the other way, so you have to turn everything around, okay. which takes hours. And he says, Robert, I know you've been sitting in the dugout thinking of something to say here. Right. I go, so do, it was the last shot. He got what he wanted. He goes, just do one for yourself. Right. Had two cameras on. Now, I have to say, a week before shooting, a dear friend of mine from Houston was getting married. And I asked Barb, my wife, what do you get him for a wedding present? And she said, well, candlesticks always make a nice gift or find mm-hmm. out where they're registering, maybe a silverware pattern. Right. <laughs> so here comes the setup, the last scene. And he goes, look, it's Nuke's father is in the, Nuke's father's behind the plate. The first baseman's girlfriend's put a curse on the glove. And we don't know what to get Millie and Jimmy for a wedding present. We're dealing with a lot of shit here. <laughs> and I said, well, candlesticks always make a nice gift or find out where she's registered, maybe a silverware pattern. And everybody stayed in, you know, in the shot. God bless all the other actors. Right. Nobody breaks up. Nobody yeah. says, and they're all listening. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, let's get two. You know, and so yeah. I take it out of there. The next night, as was the custom, as you shoot a movie, sometimes you watch the dailies. Back right. then, I don't know if they still do that anymore. So we'd all gather around. We'd have with different adult beverages, and we'd watch it around and watch the dailies. Well, it was the last thing. And if we watched the whole dailies, everything else. And then, you know, you see the same scene over and over again, different angles. And then finally, the last shot came up and it was like, candlesticks always make. And the whole place exploded right. in laughter. And I said, that was very cool of him to print that. You know, it's never going to be in the movie. I'm never going to yeah. see it again. But that was very cool of him to do that. I go to the screening, uh, uh, the right. test screening, and there it is. Right. And it gets a huge laugh. Now, interestingly enough, the studio wanted to cut out the whole scene. Okay. They were they wanted to cut out the whole visit on the mound, the whole mound right. scene, and the reasoning was it doesn't push the plot. Right. And Ron Shelton defended, saying, "What plot? Yeah. There is no plot in this movie. Right. There is no plot. That is the plot." And the only reason that thing stayed in the movie, the only reason, right. is when they had the test screenings. You fill out these cards, focus groups. What is your favorite scene in the movie? Right. What is your least favorite scene? Who's your favorite yeah. character? Who's your least favorite? And the favorite scene every time, either first or second, yeah. was the scene on the mound. And that's the only reason it stayed in. Right. Because Ron, he was a baseball guy to begin with, right? He was a baseball exactly. player, yeah. Right. So, I mean, he knew what all that was. I mean, yeah. It's, it's not like... It's, yeah. you know, no, it was real. Yeah. It was real. Right. Now, um, before we go, I know you're a big stand-up comic going up going... Well, a long time ago, yeah. Right. Uh, how did you get involved in that? You get up on stage and you do it. <laughs> yeah. That's how you get involved. I was right. went to the improv and... Uh, I watched some comics, and I uh, went to the comedy store first, and I watched some comics, and I saw a show, Gilbert was on it, Jerry was on it, Larry was on it, uh, David Seinfeld, uh, Paul Wright, there, and I watched it, and I said, okay, next week I'm going to try that. And you start trying it, and you, you write some good jokes. <laughs> How long <laughs> right. did it take you to like, to like come up with like a it, it was, you were totally immersed in it. Right. I mean, it was very, you're immersed in it all the time. And uh, then I started writing jokes for Roddy Dangerfield right away. So that gave me a big leg up. And you developed your act. What did you take away from Roddy? He had a discipline about getting up there and knowing exactly what he needed of 32 kilo. Okay, what did I take Roddy? Great comic mind, one of the great comedy minds of all time. Uh, he knew he, for Carson, he knew you had to go on Carson and kill. He said, You gotta do damage, kid, you gotta do damage. <laughs> And I took that away, that he never had his fly ever zipped up, ever. <laughs> Pants open, always, <laughs> always. Um, a brilliant comic of mine. He gave me a big heads up when he brought me out to California to go to watch him on The Tonight Show and uh, introduced me at the Comedy Store, which was a big deal. And uh, he was very great to me. He's a brilliant guy, super partier. Keith Richards has nothing on Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Rodney did all. Rodney was a partier, right. and he was funny and he was tough and I mean tough as far as his comic taste. Yeah. He was uh, to use a word that is un- used and terrible. It has been uh, co-opted. He was very discriminant okay. with his comedy taste. 
you know, which is, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ronnie was great. Just great. And what, what, what his taste? Like, what did he like? Comedy wise? Somebody who's funny, somebody who takes chances, somebody who's saying something. He hated people who had this, like, bland observational humor. You know, why is it, you know, you go to the bank and you put your card in, it takes forever to go, and Dangerfield would heckle right. them. He would sit in the <laughs> back of the room and have, oh, t- tell me a joke. <laughs> tell me a joke, man. Right. Actually, you're going to tell me where I buy my shoes. Yeah. You know, he, he, was, he wanted jokes. He wanted jokes. Right. And he wanted somebody funny or a great point of view. He loved Jim Carrey. He loved yeah. uh, Dice Clay and Kinnison. Right. And uh, I was me and, uh, and Jerry. I mean, he was great to He was great to us. Now, I know you, like, collaborated with Billy Crystal with the Oscars. It was fun. Yeah. What did you think of this year without having a host? I thought it was fine. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely fine. I think they're going to keep doing that. I, th- I think they are. They're doing it again this year, I think. Okay. I think it's a good idea. Right. I think it's a good idea because the host tries to make it their show. That's the, that's the kiss right. of death. I don't need somebody to stop the show. As much as I love Jimmy Kimmel as my friend, yeah. I, I don't have to stop the show and go see what the next door neighbors or movie theaters doing. Right. Right? It's like it's the Academy Awards. Yeah. I mean, it's like you do the right. show and just get, give yeah. up the awards. You know, and it's a tough show to do as a comic. I, every host is yeah. tough because what happens is during the show, you have to remember that these people who are there in that audience mm. have paid a lot of money to be there that night. Forget the stars. They're right. getting comped by the studios. Yeah. But if you're in a documentary and stuff like that, okay, tickets are like 500 to to 1000 okay. a piece, so you got to buy at least you and your husband or wife or the kids. Right. And then you got to get the gown and you got to get this and the hair yeah. and the makeup and the car. It's a five ten thousand $10,000 evening. Okay, so, and then also remember that with every award that goes by, 80% of the people in that category have lost. So they're, they're not, they're not happy. They've been, right. also remember they've been there since about 5 o'clock because you've got to get into that place. Right. You know, you have to go through the red carpet and all that crap and get through that and security and everything else, which means you haven't eaten in about seven hours. That's why I like every tell everybody bring a sandwich, smuggle yeah. in a candy bar or something. Right. Uh, they haven't eaten. They got to pee a lot of them because they have to run up and down the aisle, yeah. you know. And they're pissed off. So it gets harder to make this audience is not friendly anymore. Right. So you want to do all your stuff up front and then get out of the way. Just you know, fastballs. Yeah. I, used, I used to put down one finger for Billy if I was on the other side. One right. finger, unless something came up. The yeah. Jack Palance thing came up. That right. was great. But yeah. that was that that was manna from heaven. But right. when you're halfway through the show or stuff, get yeah. it going. Right. Get it going. Just fastball. Robert, this was great. Thank you no, for a few minutes. I really appreciate it. Okay, great. Thank you. I had a good time. And a special thanks to Robert for joining me today. You can follow me on Twitter at the first Noel 19 Be sure to like the page Reliving My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show's on SoundCloud. It's on Podbean. And check out our store on relivingmyyouth.threadless.com. A new episode comes out every Wednesday. And we'll see you next week.